All right, we have a special edition of Best Ball Breakfast. You guys watched Corrine and I draft Best Ball Mania teams all summer long, but we are getting back together here for a special playoff Best Ball edition. Corrine has been in the lab over at his site, Legendary Upside. They built this incredible tool to help you draft these teams, but we're going to do a bit of an overview here, some 101, some 201 stuff, give you a lay of the land, what playoff best ball is, the typical kind of roster construction that you should be looking to use, the tournaments that you can enter, and then we'll slowly get more in the weeds and give you kind of the strategic elements uh, that you can use to win these tournaments. And then we'll wrap up by drafting a few teams with the tool so you get the full kind of scope on on how to attack these contests. Pat, uh, how are you doing here today? Doing good. Yeah, we um, we were very happy with this uh, this tool that we got out there for everybody. Um, it's it's kind of, I think the goal of it is to keep you on the rails as you, as you do these playoff best ball teams and um, you can override it in ways that I think can be fun. Um, but it basically gives you a, a several different options that are all pretty good. And then you can kind of continue to build your own team. So for me, it kind of helps do some of the thinking that's like a little bit overwhelming and then allows you to just like build fun teams. Yep. And you know, I, let me pull up. I, I did a kind of an, uh, a 101 type primer on fantasy life. And I know a lot of you guys watching this already know the nuts and bolts, but then there's a lot of people who I know haven't dove into playoff best ball. So I thought it might be helpful for us to kind of just start from a high level and then we can start to drill down. But, you know, Pat mentions this idea of staying on the rails and that's what's so different about this versus season long best ball where you are, you know, in season long best ball, right? Like we know we're going to get 17 games from these teams. And yet in playoff best ball, there are no guarantees. We know we are going to only end up with two teams. So there's this added element. We're not just drafting the best players. We're trying to draft the best players on the teams who are going to go the furthest. And this is even complicated a little bit more by the roster settings. In a typical best ball, we'll have uh, 18 players on underdog that will draft. In these playoff best ball, Pat, we only have five starters in our lineup, a QB, a running back, a wide receiver slash tight end. Those are lumped in together, a flex, and then five bench spots. So just from your perspective, what are some of the ways you think about roster construction as it pertains to these contests? Yeah, so I, I think the point that you're making about kind of week 17 element of it is is like the point. And I think hopefully it'll be a little bit easier for people to like visualize how important it is, given that we're now entering week 17 and you've you've seen you've actually lived the the pain that is <laughs> your 150 entries getting whittled down to one if you're super lucky, right? And so you know, you could you could have fired at a bunch of these tournaments and all of a sudden, you know, maybe you have like one, two, three sweats. Well, that makes the talk of like exposures across a whole portfolio of teams. It, it, it kind of makes that a little less relevant. Right. And it also makes it um, important to have built for that final week to the extent that that you can pull those levers. But in this game, the final week is literally just two teams. And so if you haven't properly built for the final week, in this format, you can actually flip over that card. And at least in week 17, you flipped over a card. Maybe it's not correlated at all, but it's a bunch of healthy players who just played well. So you feel good about that. In this, you could have a bunch of healthy players who just played well, 
but on a team who was eliminated. And so, you know, if the Dallas Cowboys get bumped out in the conference championship and you have a bunch of Cowboys and then, you know, a bunch of Dolphins and it's a, a 49ers Ravens Super Bowl, you're dead for first. That's going to happen, right? You got to build for scenarios. But I think a lot of people in this tournament build teams that are never live to have a full team in the Super Bowl. They'll they'll sacrifice, they'll pull levers that help them get a team to the Super Bowl, but then that team can't field a full five-man full five uh, man starting lineup. So that, I think, is honestly why there's a big edge in this, in this game because yeah. people aren't playing it to win it. And there, there are similarities um, to traditional be best ball in that we have four rounds again, right? So like in best ball mania, the puppy, you had four rounds. Round one is the regular season, one through 14, round two, week 15, round three, week 16, round four, week 17. In these, we have round one, which is the wild card round. Round two is the divisional round. Round three is the conference championship. Round four is the big game, aka the Super Bowl. And the other similarity there is each of these rounds functions as its own mini tournament. These are not cumulative points. All the points you score in the wild round, you could score 200 points in the wild card round, but if you don't score or those teams get it eliminated because you have all the, you know, the teams that gets bounced, you're going to score zero points in the second round. And that is essentially the entire crux of this contest is you need enough points to advance each round while also still being able to maintain a roster that can field a Super Bowl team, at least a starting lineup, right? That's ultimately our goal. We show up, you mentioned flipping over the cards. We get to these finals and we want to at least have a quarterback, a running back, two wide receivers slash tight end in a flex so we can have a full starting lineup of points. A hundred percent. And I think you also want to think about when you get there, right, only one quarterback can hit your lineup. So I do see a lot of people, and I think maybe this can work, but I don't know that it's the best route where, you know, you'll see people double tap quarterbacks like right off the bat. So you might go like yep. Hertz Purdy, you know, something like that. And that's obviously pretty rough because you're guaranteed to lose a, a quarterback before the Super Bowl. But even if you were to go Mahomes Purdy, then you, yes, you'll have both those guys live in your, as long as you build out that you're actually playing for a Chiefs 49er Super Bowl, you know, and Mahomes isn't going to get the bye. We know that now, and Purdy probably still will. So Mahomes helps you get through round one. And then Mahomes is also live in the Super Bowl. You've got two cracks at a high-scoring quarterback game. That's pretty appealing, but the opportunity cost is really, really high, right? That, that could have been Brandon Ayuk, you know, George Kittle or um, Travis Kelsey, you know, if you want to play for the Chiefs side of it, that's actually filling that that wide receiver slash tight end slash flex spot, and you got to get three of those. And so I think not just making sure you have a live team, in the final, but like a team that's really powerful in the final. Yeah. And, you know, we talk a lot, you know, the week 17 is all that matters. The Super Bowl is all that matters, but it is really important to understand, you know, the contest you are playing in here. And so for the purposes of like this show and what I wrote up for the, uh, the article. We're going to talk about the gauntlet. That's the flagship contest. There are other contests you can play. There's smaller ones. There's ones at different price points. Some of them might end up having slightly different advancement 
rate structures, but for the most part, they're going to follow a similar kind of template is this gauntlet one. And what's crazy is when you look at the prize pool, right? And we were talking about, there's going to be 400 entries in this final. And then I can scroll down here and show you the prizes here. You know, if you make it to the final, you're going to make at least $750. But beyond that, you know, you're talking about min caches here. Even if you advance to another round, $50, maybe you make it to the third round and you get $150. The point is, if you're not playing for first in this contest, you shouldn't bother playing this contest. This isn't a double up. This isn't a cash game. This is a contest where you have to play for first. And to go back to your point, I think a lot of people fall in the trap, specifically with the second, third quarterbacks of, I think I'll have a better chance out of getting out of this round or I'll have a better chance getting out of the first two rounds. What if Mahomes helps me here and then Trevor Lawrence helps me in the second round or whatever. And the thing is, is what you really need to be thinking about is what helps me in the final two rounds, not the first two rounds. Yeah. I mean, like, and I think it's just hard because the first round happens first. And I just think yeah. it's like really hard for people to, to put it, but the importance is in reverse chronological order. The importance is, I mean, look, it's two out of six advance in round one. You could advance out of round one without a quarterback. Sacrilegious, who's who wrote a, a guide to this format on legendary upside, he was pointing out that you know it wasn't it not a not insignificant percentage of teams could have advanced out of round one last year, which was one out of six without a quarterback. So you could like you'll burn a lot of your portfolio doing this, but it's not insane to just draft a one quarterback Purdy team. Most of those teams will get eliminated. The vast majority would yep. get eliminated, but it wouldn't be like truly insane. It would be truly insane to draft like, you know, Flacco is your only quarterback, I think, you know, or something <laughs> like you need, a, you need to make sure you're playing for a quarterback in the Super Bowl in a way that like you should have a quarterback in round one. But if you're like, sacrificing chances to advance out of round one and taking that, you know, you, you, that sacrifice is, is creating additional upside in the Super Bowl round specifically. It's going to be a very high variance way to go, but like at least you're playing for first there. Yeah. And if, there is a huge shift this year. Pat mentions the top two out of six advance. Last year in the flagship contest of the gauntlet, it was only top one out of six advance. And that kind of idea of playing for first was a lot harder to execute when only top one advances because you really need a good team in that wild card round, which sometimes means you might have to sacrifice some of your Super Bowl kind of starting lineup equity to do that. This year with two of six, with one out of three in your pod, I think this has made it even more advantageous to optimize for the Super Bowl than it has in previous years. And you should really be willing to push it because like you said, Pat, like you could have a total dud at quarterback, but if you nail the guy who goes Amari Cooper in week 16 yeah. in the wild card run, you're just advancing full stop. And all of a sudden, everything you were worrying about to help you advance doesn't even matter. Now, all you care about is going forward. And I think this top two out of six is a huge safety net for people who are willing to play for first. hundred percent. And I also think it's a safety net for not trying to find this year's Amari on uh, yeah. on teams like um, the Bucks. Let's say. I mean, I think the Bucks are draftable in certain circumstances, but like no one really expects the Bucks to make a run. Um, maybe the Seahawks would be a better example, right? Because we're not sure if they're going to make the playoffs even. But like some of these teams that are like not contenders, but 
could have the guy you need. Um, and, you know, maybe like maybe Jonathan Taylor would be an example yeah. of Michael Pittman on the Colts. Um, that's a pretty, uh, you know, decent shot at like this dude could have a big ass spike week in round one and help me get a team through. But one, they're not likely to make the Super Bowl and you probably aren't even drafting them with a team that would be live if they did make the Super Bowl. Cause are you really drafting like a Gardner Minshew? <laughs> you know, like I'd actually be right. more down with, with a Pittman Minshew Taylor and be like, all right, maybe they make the Super Bowl than like a one-off Taylor. Um, and one of the reasons for that is that it's one of eight in the conference championship. Okay. So it's already harder than two of six, but the thing is, there's going to be a bunch of teams that have a lot of players eliminated in that round. And yep. so you're not, it's like if you show up with, you know, a chiefs team that has Richie James, you feel pretty good about that. You know, the chiefs are like, it's like three catches from Richie James could be what you need to get to the super bowl. And all of a sudden that low bar, right. The, the bar becomes so low for what you need for a player to meaningfully add to your odds of, of getting that team to the Super Bowl. And then hopefully, you know, if you've built that Chiefs stack, it's a Chiefs team that advances and, and then Richie James becomes incredibly powerful in the Super Bowl as well. So I think you want to be careful, not that you never want to draft players from teams that have low odds to, to advance round one. I think if you're drafting the 49ers and the Ravens and you got that bye week situation, you got to figure out ways to get those teams through for sure. But you know, if you're if you're building around like the Dolphins um, or the Eagles, right, teams that we don't expect to get the buy, I'm going to be pretty careful about throwing on teams that I don't think have a good chance to make the conference championship because I don't want to sacrifice my odds in round three, which is, again, one of eight and a bunch more of my roster likely to be eliminated than in round one where I've got my full roster and it's two of six. Yeah, and I think this uh, thing you're talking about is really the entire dynamic of the contest. It's why there's a massive edge is because it is so hard for fantasy drafters, myself included. We we attack ceiling in basically everything we do. It's so hard to pass up on these guys who it's like, well, yeah, Justin Jefferson or Jonathan Taylor, these guys could score 30 points. What if I just grab him on my team? But this contest will humble you if you're not focusing on team level correlation. And in this fantasy life piece that I have pulled up, I highlighted the Justin Jefferson example from last year. And by the way, I'll drop the link to this in the show notes, show notes. And we'll also talk about some of the awesome resources that Pat and his team have assembled over at legendary upside. Um, mine is definitely more of a one-on-one versus, you know, sacrilegious is who gets really in the weeds here with some more advanced concepts. But just to kind of put this in perspective, Justin Jefferson was going very early in drafts last year, and he ended up being the ultimate trap because not only did he not give you a ceiling game, he only went seven for 47, no touchdowns, but the Vikings lost. So he didn't help you advance, and he burned a hole in your roster spot, uh, in your roster. And I think to Pat's point, it's not, the lesson isn't not to never take a Justin Jefferson, but if you do, you better commit to it. You better start taking some other Vikings because the only way that bet pays off is if the Vikings go further than anyone expects. They make it to the conference championship round. And if that happens, then you want to have multiple Vikings. There's going to be multiple Vikings who succeed in that scenario. And so I do think the early one-off guys 
where the bet isn't compounded with more team level correlation is probably the biggest trap in this contest. I do too. I I do think, look, if you draft Ravens and 49ers, Mm. which, because this I think is one of the toughest things when you're building out teams is that there's certain things that are easier, even if you're drafting really, you know, you're, you're following all of these rules, right? You could pretty quickly find yourself in a, with a portfolio that doesn't have things that are harder to do in the room, but likely to occur in real life, right? So one thing that's hard to do is to build a Ravens 49ers team that you actually feel good about yeah, because they're both likely to get the buy. And like, how do you advance, you know, a team that has like five, four, you know, let's say at least four of your first picks are all going to be bye week players. That's, I think, where I would be more willing to to draft kind of some of those one-off guys, right? Where you maybe draft like, um, maybe you do like a Stafford, like on a Lamar team with with 49ers, you do like a Stafford, um, Puka, Kyron, okay? And then, yeah, most likely that the Rams are going to play the 49ers in round two and then get eliminated. And so you're not really making a play for the Rams to make the conference championship. But like, man, if they help you get, if you have 49ers and Ravens coming on, (laughs) that could be a big boost in round two. Um, And then you've got 49ers and Ravens in round three. Uh, So you you probably have enough firepower just because of how, how good those 49ers pieces are at the skill positions. And then you have Lamar. Um, so yeah, I think I'm I'm willing to kind of bend some of the rules a little bit more. Like I might even tackle on a Mike Evans or something like a one like a one off piece on something like that. But in general, I think people are doing way too much of the one off. I, I just would would note that you sometimes have to get a little weird when you're trying to advance kind of big bye week stacks. And look, I mean, last year was the two bye week teams. Yep. And figuring out a way to to plan for that. I think is helpful. Yeah. And it does a lot of how you draft. I feel like even more so we talk a lot about in general best ball, like, you know, based on your risk tolerance, you want to be all in on a concentrated portfolio. I think your overall risk tolerance or how many, how you want to play this contest, there's almost more paths than there are in any other format. You know, you can be heavily exposed to certain players. You can be heavily exposed to teams. You can be heavily exposed to certain scenarios, or you can play out all different kinds of scenarios across your portfolio. And then that's even further compounded. We're going to talk about how each week the playoff odds change and you know the quote unquote optimal selections are going to vary each week the market's going to push some teams up push others down and that's what ultimately makes this so fun i think we should talk a little bit about the roster construction options because that's kind of what we're hinting at right now that there are so many different ways that you can slice and dice it and i would say the two bye week teams making it to the super bowl is like a very specific thing to have to think through But in general, the way I've been thinking about this, Pat, is like if I show up to the conference championship round, I want to have more healthy, active players than my opposition. And that like has been my guiding light of like I would love to have 10 players who are live to be in my starting lineup when I show up to the conference championship round. And that's a very viable thing to do and build for. Oh, you're muted, Pat. 
My bad. Um, I think this is one of the reasons why you you do want to avoid the chasing those one-off guys as much as possible because for one thing, like even if you find the guy you need, you're gonna have found the guy you didn't need a lot, right? Unless you've got yeah. just like unless you're going like all in on like, nope, it's Mike Evans. I know that's what I need, and I'm just gonna draft the crap out of Mike Evans. But most of the time, right, you're gonna be mixing that up. And so you're gonna have burned roster spots, you're gonna have hit last year's Justin Jefferson, who you didn't even need, and then gets eliminated. And right away, then you will not be able to to have the 10 live players in the conference championship, which is really going to hurt your odds of advancing in that round. And so I think when you're building out teams, ideally you're hoping to have a bracket. You're hoping to have assembled a bracket and the tool will help with this because it'll boost teams that are less likely to play each other in round two compared to round three so that you want teams like, for example, the Rams don't pair that well with the 49ers because they're likely to play the 49ers in round two. And the odds that you would then have um, a full 10 team, a full 10 player roster in round three are are low. Um, so you would need something weird to happen, like the seven seed upsetting and then having them go play the 49ers. If you're playing for your full 10 uh, player roster to be in the conference championship. Obviously, that gives you a lot of firepower in the conference championship. It also gives you outs to different Super Bowls, right? It doesn't yeah. matter as much who, if you've got, you know, maybe you only have one quarterback, but if you've got a Purdy team and you had to build a second quarterback in anyway, right? Maybe you've actually got two live bullets to to actually get into the Super Bowl. You, there's multiple combinations where this team is live for first. I mean, that's a pretty sweet spot to be in. Yeah. I And you know what? I And I wanted to ask you about this because I think the biggest shift I've made in how I think about stuff this year is like last year, you know, trust me, the week 17 is all that matters guy. I was very much on board with the Super Bowl is all that matters. I think I pushed it too far in that. And now realizing that to me, it's almost the conference championship is all that matters, if that makes sense in a weird way, where I think I was building too many teams that were live to field a starting lineup in the Super Bowl, but would have a one-off. Like, say I did something where I took last year, like, you know, five Chiefs players, okay, if they make it to the Super Bowl, but then I'd take, you know, five one-offs from the NFC, you know, and you tell yourself, hey, I can feel the starting Super Bowl, and I can mix and match with all of these different things, but not realizing that as this tournament progresses, you really need the concentrated bets on teams to help you out in that other round, not to mention it's really hard for that block of five players to crush each and every week and carry you there. So having, say, three teams or four teams, you know, ideally not more than that, that is going to give you self chance to kind of ping pong weeks, put the puzzle pieces together and give you enough firepower in each round. And I think I had so many teams flame out last year in the conference championship that were optimized for the Super Bowl, but weren't quite optimized to get there. Yeah, I, I think I ran into the same thing where it's like, okay, I know I need to have five live in the Super Bowl. So I've got, I get to that point, like check, box check. Now yeah. I've got to get to the Super Bowl. That means I got to get through round one first. Let me find those guys yep. who are going to get me through. It's like, no, actually, the second most important thing is having enough firepower in the conference championship round. And then the third most important thing is in round two. So it's actually, if you're like, okay, Super Bowl check, now you should be going to the conference championship and saying, who else is going to, if you're going to tack something on here, it should ideally be a third team that is not, you know, let's say you have 
uh, um, a, a Tua stack. Okay. So now, and you've got, you got Tua 49ers. So now you're like, I need to tack on a third team. I've, I don't need a quarterback because two is, I'm going to play this like they're not getting the buy, but I do need some additional firepower because my 49ers are going to have the buy. So you could tack on, you know, there you could tack on like Brandon Cooks, Jake Ferguson, right? Yep. In the in the kind of middle rounds, that's firepower to help you get through round one. But it's also potentially a conference championship matchup between the Cowboys and the 49ers. And that's power firepower to get you through. And it's also maybe your Super Bowl matchup if your 49ers get eliminated and then it's the Dallas Cowboys versus the Dolphins. Yeah, and I think now to kind of as we talk it through and just kind of crystallizing my head and tell me if you agree with this logic tree, it's like, okay, first you want to make sure that you can feel the starting lineup in the Super Bowl. That's actually not that hard to envision when you look at, oh, two teams or whatever. But then from there, the second order is that you would ideally like to be able to have all 10 of your players active in the conference championship round. You could do that with three teams, but you could also do it with four teams. And then the only time that you should really start thinking about round one and going all the way down there is if you have the bye week considerations yeah. of I have Brock yeah. Purdy. I'm taking a zero at quarterback. I know that it's going to be very, very hard. Okay, now I might need to make a concession. I can't take Richie James on this KC team because I need to take Jared Goff or whatever other quarterback might be able to paper over. But wouldn't you say, Pat, there's ways you can even have your cake and eat it too with that secondary quarterback where it's like if you've built a Brock Purdy team, ideally you would like that quarterback to be on an AFC roster to once again give you paths to another Super Bowl matchup that might not even feature the 49ers necessarily. Oh, 100%. Now, I think the thing is, you know, how late can that quarterback be attained? And so it's probably a falling Tua. Yeah. That would be the most realistic shot in an actual Super Bowl matchup. But, I mean, that's fun. You know, and especially if you if you did set that up, um, you know, if you have like a Waddle and an A-chan and then you can get a falling Tua – then I think that's pretty sweet. The the thing I would caution against is like going for that Mahomes, going for that um, you know expensive AFC quarterback. I was going to say Lamar, but that would be weird since he has the buy as well, right. probably. But um, that would be the thing I think is tougher, honestly. And the guys at, at Legendary Upside that have been working on this tool with me, Daniel Raz um, in particular have just been pounding the table for Flacco for weeks. Yeah. And you're not going to get to the Super Bowl with Flacco, but Flacco and the Browns, they could win round one. Easy. And so, yeah. So, okay. So now you've got, you've built Flacco out just to get Purdy through, but in then round two, you have Flacco stacked with Amari. Right. And, that's that's now extra firepower to get through round two. And even if they get eliminated at that point, you're you're feeling pretty good because you only lost like two roster spots and Flacco did his job. But I do think the Browns aren't totally dead to win two games either. Like they, mm-hmm. they could actually win two games, get to the conference championship round. And you you at that point, yeah, I mean, now you're actually rooting for the Browns to make this make the Super Bowl. But um if you know one or two games out of your bye week team is pretty big, and I think out of one, your bye week uh, fill in team, I mean, 
I think it's a really important point to think about when you are papering over or covering your bi-week considerations that you really want to be cost sensitive. Uh, and I think it's similar, right, Pat, to how we think about allocating capital in our season-long best ball teams. If you do a hyper-fragile best ball team where you start with three straight running backs, that's perfectly viable, but you're not going to devote that much capital to the position beyond that. You're going to wait to grab your fourth or fifth, ideally very late. The same thing applies here. If you take Purdy in the first round, you have made your bet. Like I need Purdy and the Niners to go to the Super Bowl. All I need to do is cover up his performance in one week. And it happens to be the least important round of the entire contest where two of six teams advance. So ideally you are pushing that back as far as possible, because if you think about it, like you said, the Joe Flacco examples, these guys who aren't projected to go to the Super Bowl that you can still get late, maybe a Matthew Stafford or whatever, those guys can do their job at a low cost. Because if you spend yes. a pick on Josh Allen, or I'm trying to think these other premium quarterbacks who have gotten steamed up to paper over Brock Purdy, the opportunity cost of that, say, third round pick is massive because someone else is going to show up to the finals with Devon Achan in that slot instead of Josh Allen, who can't make it there by the logic of the game tree you have played out. And so you've got to constantly be thinking, yes, Josh Allen might help me advance in round one, but it is going to make my team significantly weaker in the conference championship round. Exactly. Yeah, I think, and you've kind of asked about, like, how many players do we draft from each round, and I keep <laughs> talking about which teams I'm drafting in each round um, yeah. instead. And I think that's that's because it's just so much more important to to think through the team stuff than the roster construction stuff but just like we think about the roster construction stuff in season long like you know to your point there like in the same way that you allocate draft capital to running back and you that is important here like you do want to we'll get to that you do want to think through how you're allocating positional draft capital just like you do in regular best ball but you're essentially allocating like roster capital in the team bets that you're making and so yeah if you're you're gonna have to make some sacrifices you can't just draft like 10 chiefs you <laughs> have chiefs yeah. to the super bowl baby <laughs> it'll never get there you know you do have to make some some sacrifices or kind of shift that bet slightly so that you have enough firepower to have gotten to the super bowl in the first place um but i think generally you want to more than the field be shifting that to round two and thinking through or shifting that to sorry round three the conference championship round and how can i get a full roster to that round rather than shifting it to round one which i think a lot of the, the kind of the natural inclination of the field will be i want to talk specifically about some kind of roster construction um angles that you can use i have a few pulled up here on the screen, but to kind of frame this conversation, I think there's a temptation to, for all of us, right, to get overconfident in uh, the Niners going to the Super Bowl. That's kind of funny. We're recording this on a, on a Monday after they lost to the Ravens last night. So the market isn't quite. That's an AFC team, though, you know? So, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but, it's it's kind of setting aside your your hubris or confidence in how the playoff bracket is going to go. And I actually think it's easier than ever to do that this year because it really does feel wide open. I mean, the AFC specifically feels pretty weak relative to previous years. And understand that you don't, you're not trying to be right 
Um, I guess if you're drafting one team, you're trying to be right. But if you're ideally building out a portfolio, you are wanting to go down specific playoff scenarios. And when that scenario hits, you are right. And we're almost offering humility of like, I don't know how the playoffs are going to go, but I do know if it goes this way, I can build a team that will benefit. And, you know, I use the example in this piece, like I'm kind of bearish on the Dolphins. Like, I I just don't think that they strike me as a team that can go in and win somewhere on the road in the cold in January, but that's just like an IKB personal take. It doesn't mean that when Tyreek falls that I'm not hammering Tua and grabbing one of the running backs and building out a team because I've already made my bet. And I have to lie in it when I take Tyreek Hill. I need them to win a couple of games for that pick to make sense. And so you have to set aside kind of your team-level biases and actually lean into that team-level correlation and say, if this pick is right, some of his buddies are coming along for the ride. 100%. And I actually think the Dolphins... So one other thing that's kind of fun about this tournament and, you know, the tournament's been open for several weeks. So some of this element has already passed us by. But not all of it, because um, it will be open, you know, until the playoffs start. So there's a few weeks here. Every week is kind of its own drafting environment, and every week offers its own opportunities. And so, oh, sorry about that. Um, and so you're potentially like this week. I actually think this week might be a Dolphins week for me, where okay. I actually feel I feel better about them this yeah. week than I did last week. And I'm looking at the um, New York Times upshots model. They have the Dolphins with a 12% chance to win the Super Bowl, that's the third highest behind the 49ers at 37% and the, the Ravens at 19%. Um, so I'm kind of like, I was sort of like CD over Tyreek for a while. Yeah. But I'm in the in the tool, we just are updated. We just pushed an update this morning where Tyreek is, has made a big jump up. And it's Tyreek has had the same like player level rank the entire time in the tool, it's all team. And his yep. team score has moved up uh, and CDs has come down a little bit. And so now he's, we have him fourth in the rankings to start out and CD fifth. Um, so that's right with, even with Tyreek's ADP, but I haven't really been drafting Tyreek, but I'm starting to feel a little bit better about the Dolphins. It's like a, a, you know, I don't love them is like a Super Bowl team, but I think they're, they're definitely like a, a legit contender. I think, I think their defense is looking pretty damn good. Before we get just a little bit in the weeds on some of these specific kind of playoff scenarios, and we are going to start drafting some teams as well to get these idea on their feet. I'm trying to think, I think it might be useful to kind of outline what would be almost like the ideal construction in my head. Tell me if you think this, it would be like a four, three, three, where I have four from one conference that are going to the Super Bowl That isn't a bi-week team that that four team makes it there. And then I have two, three sets uh, from the opposite conference. One of them could be a bi-week team, perhaps. And those would be, in a perfect world, you would have the three best teams, right? Two with the bi, maybe, and like one that doesn't, but the four's on that side. Like, And then you're giving yourself exposure to the most likely Super Bowl matchups per the odds. Now, of course, that is not possible because the drafting landscape does not allow you. But I think it helps people to reverse engineer this of like, ideally, what would be perfect? And then you start to understand, okay, well, I can't get those top three, but I could get a team with the seventh best odds to get there that fits within that bucket. Yeah, yes. I think, and and I like to build out three teams as kind of my ideal. Now, I will build two uh, teams with 
two different NFL teams and I'll build teams with four different NFL teams. And with the bye week stuff, I will break my rules. If I have a bunch of Ravens and 49ers, I will break my rules sometimes and go uh, with more than four teams. Um, yep. Understanding that I am now drafting suboptimally for the later rounds, but with the I, I, because I put myself behind the eight ball and advancing out around one by drafting a bunch of bye week players. Um, but yeah, I, I like three the best. And yeah, that's very fun. Like if you have, if you've got like 49ers and Dolphins Chiefs, right? Now yep. you probably, 49ers, you probably have to go get a second court. But let's say you get a falling Tua, right? <laughs> I mean, if you have yep. a falling Tua to cover your bye and you're looking at a conference championship, of 49ers, Eagles, Dolphins, Chiefs. You're like, I need one thing. I need the 49ers to win this game and I'm golden, right? So that's building for the conference championship. I'm like, is it it can but get hard cuz you're drafting like you know, Michael Gallup over, you know, like uh Puka Nakua or Cooper yeah. Cup or Kyron Williams, right? And yep. it's like god. But Telling yourself, like putting yourself in that, you know, conference championship round a few weeks from now and feeling like, dude, I just need I just need like one of my teams to win here. And I'm covered on the NFC side. And, you know, maybe Gallup catches a a touchdown, you know, two for 30 yards and a touchdown from Gallup could make you a lot of money if it happens in the right week. And the other thing where we'll now have to start layering on kind of these teams in their ADPs and how the pieces come together, like we mentioned a team like the Bills or the Chiefs. I mean, there are so many what I would consider viable options for players that you can draft, like guys you know are going to be on the field, guys you know are going to get touches. You can build out stuff like that. Whereas when we talk about a team like the Dolphins, I mean, they are so top-heavy and so mm-hmm. condensed that like I don't I don't feel sick to my stomach if I click Khalil Shakur in the last round. I feel sick to my stomach if I click Cedric Wilson in the last <laughs> round. You know, like it's so you do have to think through like how some of these ADPs and how these teams are kind of comprised, how that also plays into your strategy, because it's a lot easier to build out late chief stuff, even like Eagles guys. Like you can get a guy like, you know, Kenneth Gainwell late who, you know, will be on the field, but with some of these teams, you know, it, that's not necessarily the case. And we can talk a little bit about some of those really low owned gems, potentially being the guy you need in the Super Bowl. but I'm from more of like a conference championship angle um, not all of these teams are created equal. No, they're not. Uh, and I, yeah, the Dolphins, I think, are the most concentrated. Um, I've drafted Durham Smythe. I've drafted Cedric Wilson. I bet uh, they're, <laughs> they're draftable, man. I've drafted Jordan Mason. Okay. You know, you can go, you can go to, I've drafted um, Kevante Turpin. Like, you can yeah. draft some pretty, like, late round dart throw guys um and because you're playing for them to get to the super bowl what what are the contexts i'm not drafting like one off Kevante turpin what if he's the guy you need or something i'm drafting him because i have a massive bet on dak prescott and the the cowboys to get to the super bowl so now i live in a world where those guys are in the super bowl it's now very important for me to have that that extra differentiating piece so that's the other thing about this right in best bowl mania we're seeing, even though, right, there was huge performances this past week. Amari Cooper, right? He goes for yeah. 50 points. 
a lot of Amari Cooper teams are going to be in the, the BBM four finals, but there's also going to be a lot of non Amari Cooper teams in the finals yep. in this format. You're going to get to the, the Super Bowl, and there's going to be a lot of like dead teams right off the bat because maybe they're really well built teams, but they just got unlucky with which teams made the Super Bowl. They their conference championship uh, players crushed, but then the team lost. So even if the even if the field was drafting optimally, there would be a bunch of like pretty dead teams in the Super Bowl, and then you're going to get there, and and the teams that aren't dead might still have a lot of the same players. So you can potentially get leverage by having your Jalen Tolberts, your Cedric Wilson's is, you know, your Kyle Juszczyk's. <laughs> These are potentially like leverage pieces for you. Um, your Noah Gray's, you know, I, I yeah. think they're all kind of in play uh, more so than it may feel because like we never think about these guys for fantasy. Well, you can go to last year's Super Bowl, and let's set aside the dynamics of it being the two bye-week teams, but you just use the Chiefs as an example, right? MBS went nuts in that conference championship game. He was on a ton of the final. That was the conference championship game, right? That was conference championship, yeah. Yeah. And so you had a ton of teams show up to him. He did nothing in the Super Bowl, 0-0-0 across the board. But Kadarius Toney and Sky Moore each scored a touchdown on very limited volume and helped people finish in the top 10. And so the the angle there isn't necessarily like, oh, I just need to get lucky and hope I have the right guys. But it's like you have MBS, but then you also have a Sky Moore or Kadarius Toney because yes. you built out such a big bet that MBS helps you one week, but then the other people who gave up and got distracted by the shiny guy who projected really well, they don't have that roster spot on their team anymore. But you dug deep into the bin, and so in like Pat's Cavante Turpin, you might be like, that's fucking insane. Well, what if Michael Gallup advances a ton of teams? Michael Gallup's a pretty good proxy for MVS. And then <laughs> Cavante Turpin is a pretty good proxy for Kadarius Tony. He has yep. that one touchdown, that one kick return, that piece in those points. And I think the other thing people get hung up on, Pat, is like, Cavante Turpin, he barely sees the field. But the barrier of entry in the Super Bowl to get into your startup starting lineup is going to be so, so much lower than it is in the previous weeks. It might be 0 0.01 points, honestly. Like, depending on how many players you get through. Like, you know, I wouldn't suggest Cavante Turpin being your fifth guy. But, like, if Dallas wasn't, you know, your primary bet and you're like actually i'm going to build out I'm, i've got three dolphins and i'm instead of taking like an extra 49er here i'm going to throw on you know one more piece from dallas so that i've got a second out to the super bowl and you throw on Cavante turpin and it's it's uh dolphins cowboys you know which is the super bowl maybe not a lot of people built for and you know you're not feeling ideal that like it's your Cavante turpin versus someone else's brandon cooks but like you're live, you know? So I think you're, you know, in that scenario, I'd probably take um, Smythe or Cedric Wilson instead of Kamate Serpent. But, but in the same, in the same thing there, maybe now it's your Cedric Wilson versus their Jalen Waddle or your, your Durham Smythe versus their Jalen Waddle. And it's like, you know, one touchdown catch from Durham Smythe could separate you. And it's, it's honestly a pretty low bar. And one thing I would say, um, you know, I think there's still going to be a huge edge in these contests based on the draft rooms I'm doing. There's still always at least one rogue drafter who is just tanking uh, their lineup. But 
I would say on the whole, Pat, the field is sharper than it was last year, partly because sure. of all the the, the <laughs> tool and the work you guys are doing. And there's a lot more content and awareness about playoff best ball. But where I do still think now there's the second edge is what we're talking about here. And this actually kind of ties in with the badge bros scroll the F down mantra, because what you're going to do and, and Pat mentioned the name uh, Jordan Mason. And I actually think he's a really good example for the point I'm trying to make here is people now kind of understand some of these team level correlation bets. And they're going to say, Hey, building out the 49ers gets really thin. Um, you know what? I'm going to take Eli Mitchell here. He's highest in the ADP. I've been told got to build out this bet on the Niners. I'll just click him. And you look at the ADPs and Eli Mitchell is getting selected in the majority of drafts, whereas Jordan Mason is not. So now not only do you have a situation where the roster exposure is going to be completely disproportionate for Eli Mitchell and Jordan Mason. And I think with <laughs> Eli Mitchell's health, you could make a legitimate case that those two should be neck and neck based on how they're being valued. But just you scrolling down, you're still getting the team level correlation bets, but you're just slightly fading the market certainty that it's Eli Mitchell. And we can go down and do all of these things. Maybe it's you go to Jalen Tolbert instead of Michael yeah. Gallup, yeah. but it's similar bets at a fraction of the ownership. And the only reason we're in the weeds is this stuff probably isn't going to come into play in the first couple of rounds, but it will come into play in the Super Bowl round. And I have the prize breakdown here where first place is 150,000 and second is 75,000. And Pat's not kidding when he talks about 0.01 points. These are going to be the things that separate, you know, a fifth place, really good team from a first place $150,000 team. And so I think starting to embrace that scroll the F down mantra at the very end of your draft, specifically with these teams that have good odds to get to the Super Bowl, is a big advantage if you're really playing for first. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the MBS thing, just want to underline that for a second. You know, DK Metcalf last year in round one had seven receptions, 160 yards, and a touchdown last year. Marcus Valdez-Scantling was the guy you needed because he did it yeah. in the conference championship round, right? The round one thing, it's like, yeah, it's nice, but now you have a team in round two with a dead roster spot. You advanced it, but DK Metcalf is not playing anymore. So he wasn't the guy you needed. Marcus Valdez-Scantling was the guy you needed last year because he got you to the Super Bowl. And then, yeah, you at that point hoped that you actually – Played the clip and and got Sky Moore. You know that's that that was the guy you needed. I mean, a total a total bust rookie was the kind of the guy you needed, right? He got you, you know, or it could have been he got you a, a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Um, obviously, Kadarius Tony as well. So those guys, um, you know, making those it, as crazy as it is, it's like those those deep players are are really really important, and hitting on those players is probably going to be way more impactful this season than whoever hits on those guys in round one. Now, hitting on the guy in round one is, is going to feel very, very fun a couple weeks from now. But yeah, who, who actually is going to help someone finish first? It's probably a, an ancillary piece on a Super Bowl team. Well, and just, just think of these odds, right? We just said two of six advance. So like if everyone drafted a solid team and everyone was an average drafter, you'd have a 33% chance of advancing. And then you can go and do the math. If you're trying to finish first out of 400 teams, like the 
the chances there and your odds are so minuscule relative to your chances of being able to advance there that it's like it goes back to that whole thing with the week 17 is all that matters. It's like if you are fortunate enough to get there, you have to be optimized to get first place. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. there's no point. Like the min cash in the gauntlet like sucks. Like there's no point of even playing <laughs> if you don't have that stuff. And so this is why we're harping on it so much yeah. and it feels weird and you know, the same thing happens in even these battle royale drafts. It's like, why would I scroll down to Joe Flacco this week when I can just take Tua, who's in the MVP conversation? Why would I do that? And it's like, well, because when you are right and the market is wrong, you can get first place in a contest. And so that would be my one thing um, when you get to the ninth and tenth play round in these contests of really say, if I show up to the finals with this team, am I going to have the same team as all the other people who drafted this playoff scenario? And that's where you then need to pull that extra lever. Yep. One thing I would just add on, I we've been, you know, we can't stop talking about this because it's like everything we talk about in, in best ball mania, but it actually is true. We're like the final round is actually all that matters. And, yeah. you know, getting those players that are live for it is the whole, the whole game. But sacrilegious was, was noting that in some of his, I think in one of his pods last year in the conference championship round, he had before a single snap was played a 100% chance to advance um because wow. he had his entire pod blocked he had everyone they had plus extras extras so, yeah so building building for these which was which was the tiebreaker as well so like literally your bench players with a tiebreaker so he genuinely had a 100 chance to get to the super bowl with some of these teams so that's you know i think it's it's even more powerful um because there's a limited pool of players you know that on top of everything we've talked about the the limited combos is such an important part of this and and shout out to sacrilegious by the way which is like yes. he's he's leveled me up like eight times as i've read his stuff and, and talked to him about this game so and he's he's been a huge help in developing the tool that that we're going to be showing off in a minute yeah, and let's just uh, make sure everyone knows what you guys have over at Legendary Upside. Obviously, I'm going to pull up the tool here in a sec, but you're referencing some of the written content. Um, you have Sacrilegious, who if you guys have watched uh, Ship Chasing, you know he hosts Stat Chasing with Drico over there. Super sharp. He finished uh, third in the Dog Bowl, and he has devoted so much time and effort into thinking about this contest and now kind of articulating the dynamics at play, the optimal strategy, um, and then this all funnels into the tool, but he has some really good primer articles. And what what of that is is free, and what of it is be behind the paywall right now? As far as your playoff content, Pat, most of it's behind the paywall. We have a yeah. free intro pod um, on the subject on on playoff best ball, mm -hmm. um, and I have I'm not sure how much of Sacrilegious's articles are above the paywall, but but most of it is behind the paywall. Um, but what is the ten dollars a month? Is it? Or, yeah, it's it's ten bucks a month. It's honestly absurd. Like your price, it should be ten dollars for the written content, and then it should be like fifty dollars or whatever for the tool. Um, you messed up it's, on that. It's not. It's um, not going to be. That, so what? So I didn't know we were going to do this. We we were able to get this together, and it's like. I'm not going to raise the price like in like, you know, right now I'm like, let's just get this out there and have it be part of the normal subscription next year. Yeah. I'm going to come up with some other ideas though. So this is, yeah. you know, we'll see, but, um, but yeah, no, it's, 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 a, honestly, it's an insane, I shouldn't be offering what I'm offering, but I am, you know, and I, and I also like, like, Hey, you sign up for legendary upside, 
You didn't know there was going to be a tool that existed. I didn't know there was going to be a tool that existed, but there is now. It's part of your subscription. Enjoy. Um, and then, yeah, we'll figure out we'll figure out pricing uh, next year if, if we need to. And this is like the opposite, you know, sometimes with like the DFS stuff. And it's like, you know what, if you're just playing 10 to $20 in entries a week, like paying $300 a month for a SIM product makes no sense whatsoever. But if you're doing one gauntlet draft, I legitimately think um, even spending the $10 uh, on the tool will make that draft so much uh, better in the second you're doing even more than a couple, like once you're putting 50, 60, $75 in play, um, the tool already pays for itself right before. I don't want to keep dragging it out too far, but I want to talk a little bit about like how much the playoff landscape changes each week. And you mentioned, Hey, this might be a dolphins week for me, how people can kind of think about attacking the contest in these specific draft windows, because that's this other unique thing, right? This contest is going to close um, right before the wild card weekend, which means the other kind of big events we have, we have post week 17 and we have post week 18, two other weeks that are going to shift the playoff landscape. And that can present different opportunities for you, specifically if you've been drafting all this time and you can build out certain portfolio angles, depending on what the current odds are. Yeah. that That's one of the funnest parts about this. I would say so notice here on the Dolphins, right? The Dolphins by Sumer Sports have a 7% chance to win the Super Bowl, but they're at like 16% chance to make the Super Bowl, to win the conference mm. title. So that's like, I don't care if they win the Super Bowl, right? Like if they, right. I almost don't want them to. I want them to be throwing, you know, and, and trying to be in comeback mode and, and Tyreek's racking up points or whatever. Um, so that's where I think like, I feel better about the Dolphins odds of getting to the Super Bowl now than I did a couple weeks ago um, and better than a better than the Cowboys, which these odds reflect slightly the Cowboys 15% chance to make the Super Bowl here. So yeah, I think I've been a few weeks ago, I was really hammering the, the Cowboys. Um, I was drafting a ton of 49ers last week and just figuring out ways to get them through the buy. And I'll be doing some of that again this week, but I think the dolphins are a team that, um, you know, maybe, Maybe they won't rise that much in price because the Bills, people have been hot for the Bills. The yeah. Bills win again, and I think they'll still be hot for the Bills. So hopefully I can, you know, you can get – also the running backs maybe – I wonder if Achan falls a little bit because he's had a couple disappointing games. So that could, right. that could be an interesting way to play it. Let's actually, I, I keep coming up with other things I want to just hit on before we hop in. But I, I do think, you know, the two biggest shifts I've made in my playoff best ball play is that one I mentioned previously about thinking about it more through the conference championship lens than just the Super Bowl. And the other huge shift I've made is how I think about the running back position. Yeah. And yeah. part of it is similar to best ball mania, right? Where it's like, you only have to start, um, you know, two running backs and then a flex, but you start three wide receivers in a flex. So it naturally weights more, you know, prominence to the wide receiver tight end position. That dynamic is out play here with the proportions of running back starting spots to wide receiver. But there's also this added element of because of that, because you're devoting less to it, you need to make those running back picks count in a bigger way, meaning they almost have to be on the teams you think are going to make it to the conference championship. Do you think, is that a good way to, to yes. phrase that? Yes. Yeah. It's weird. This took me like a few different times to get my head around. Yeah. I think it's, it's a, and look, if it takes you a little bit to, to understand it, that's good because it's going to take other people a little while to understand it too, you know, and it doesn't, it's not super intuitive. 
that you wouldn't want to draft all that many running backs and you because it's like look i mean i'm gonna have some teams that that get i'm gonna have some players that get eliminated by the super bowl anyway right if i'm drafting three teams three nfl teams then some of my as long as i have one running back you know who cares you know but you're the you you would much rather have you don't want to overdraft running back is the big thing you yeah. you don't want to draft like four or five running backs because of the positional requirements and you want to be able to field a, a variety of different combinations of your lineup and this is something sacrilegious really dives into about how important it is to have different combinations because these are small rosters and with with guys who are getting eliminated so all of a sudden the combination the number of combinations that you can field starts to really shrink so to have a lot of combinations, it's more helpful to have players at the flex position and at the wide receiver position where you have to start two rather than just one one running back. If you're trying to limit how many running backs you have, then and you want your running backs to go as far as possible too, so you want them tied to your Super Bowl team. You want them yep. tied to your quarterback, right? But even if not tied to your quarterback, when, when I select Tony Pollard, um, and if I've, if I've got, you know, let's say I've got lamb and then I'm taking Lamar, but if I take Pollard all of a sudden, this is now a Ravens Cowboys Super Bowl to the point that I might be as inclined to take my third team from the AFC as the NFC. I would be as open to that depending on how, th- how the rest of the draft goes, right? Like maybe I grab Jags instead of. Cowboys because I can get better Jags through. I can get Jags at better prices late and I have to get a bye week team through. So I need that firepower. So, you know, is Jake Ferguson as appealing as like a um, a Calvin Ridley? So, you know, he's not right. So you, you could take Calvin Ridley and yes, Calvin Ridley is going to get eliminated by the Ravens in the Super Bowl because I need Lamar to get to the Super Bowl. But I also need Tony Pollard to get to the Super Bowl to make my roster as powerful as, as I want it to be. Right. And that, that roster might be uh, that team could, could pretty easily be Lamar, Gus, Justice Hill, Pollard. That's my quarterback and running. And then, um, and then uh, let's say, maybe I don't go Justice Hill actually. Maybe I just go Gus Pollard, Lamar and Trevor Lawrence. Yep. And I just, I just play two running backs. I think you could tack on justice. You, that's uh that's kind of up to you, but the, point there is that I'm I'm just like literally like Cowboys to the Super Bowl when I take Lamar even if I don't have Dak yeah and I mean I think when I take Pollard when, sorry even if I no don't no I, I know what you meant I think the other thing about this dynamic again and I you know there's a lot of parallels and then there's a lot of things that are very different from season-long best ball but I think this dynamic of people wanting the security of the projectable running back volume really carries over here and again offers an additional edge. It's like the same siren song that pulls people to like, hey, I want that Justin Jefferson type who can go for 30 in round one and help me advance. People also get very queasy if they miss out on a CMC, a Tony Pollard, Pacheco's Mm -hmm. gone. It's like, holy cow, man, I need some running back points here. And then all of a sudden you'll see maybe a Kyron Williams get drafted on a team that's not building out Rams because they're like, Hey, I'll just grab my bell cow back. But this ties in really well with zero RB. You're, you're pushing your draft capital. You're drafting guys like McKinnon in Gainwell and justice Hill, who might just be the optimal <laughs> lead back on their team in the first place, <laughs> much less you're spending less capital. 
you also still have time for we talk about the chaos of the season kicking in there's still like three weeks a lot of injury and stuff can still transpire between then that could vault these guys into a bigger role and then on top of it you're now at taking advantage of the what will probably be like the lowest scoring position right we've seen lots of low scoring running back weeks like you could probably have a five from a Jarek McKinnon in your running back spot and still advance out of round one because we talked about that barrier not being that high with two out of six so I do really think kind of not fully but the two lenses I would apply are like I want my running back to be going very far preferably mm -hmm. tied to the quarterback and beyond that I almost want kind of like a zero RB approach built around the teams I'm concentrating my bets on. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, CEH is genuinely in play to yeah. be the guy you need. <laughs> like he, yeah. could, he could be the guy you need. It's it's insane, but like that's in, seems suddenly well, extremely realistic. And we mentioned the Jordan Mason thing before. I think a guy like Rico Dowdle, who you know, to me, a guy like Rico Dowdle is another awesome selection on a yeah. on a DAC team where you get boxed out, right? Because you have multiple outs. One, we've seen Dowdle play really good. He's been more efficient than Pollard at times this year. You're live to an injury. You're live to the Cowboys steamrolling an opponent in the wild card round and Dowdle getting mop-up duty. And so if you can kind of separate your, I want to think about round one wild card production at running back and think about it through that slightly different lens of I just want a running back on the team I have going very far. I think you will find some of these pieces more attractive than the market is. And I would argue a lot of these guys I have on the screen, the McKinnon, the CH, the Gainwell, the Dowdle, the 49ers backs, the CH, like these are very, very valuable commodities in this specific contest. They are they they genuinely are. And like as sad as it is, I mean Dowdle could could see more playing time because Pollard's playing so poorly. So yeah, you know he's he's he can he's live without an injury to 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 matter. Um, the the other thing is, yeah, you're when you're drafting in week seventeen. I've talked, I've written about this, you know, in Best Ball Mania. Like, you want to put yourself, you want to travel to the future where that team has now made the finals, and and like you know that the, you know this these guys are crushing, and that this game is gonna this game is gonna pop off when you're trying to do the week seventeen correlation, right? I'm betting on this Lions Cowboys game. I'm betting on both sides. It's gonna pop off. I actually should be adding to that bet because I know that. Even though you don't, even though you don't know it, you got to live in a world where it's happening, right? When you draft Dak Prescott, well, the Cowboys are making the Super Bowl. That's a fact. For the rest yeah. of this draft, that's the world we live in. So if you don't have Pollard and you're looking for another running back to draft, I mean Rico Dowdle is pretty sweet because he's gonna be playing in the Super Bowl. So that's a, that's extremely valuable. You know that. Yeah. So, you know, compared to Kyron Williams, who you know is not going to be in the Super Bowl 100% for a fact. In this reality. that you In this about. reality. Yeah. Dowdle is much more valuable than Kyron. Yep. And again, like a few, if you just layer on a few of these lenses as you do these drafts um, and that team level correlation being king, all of a sudden a guy like Rico Dowdle that no one would otherwise have any interest in, how is this guy going to score points? All of a sudden he starts to become extremely attractive. And once you shift your mindset, you, you start to get excited about a Rico Dowdle clip. You're like, I got a bet on the Cowboys. I need a running back. I've already built this monster team. This piece perfectly fits with the story I'm trying to tell. Um, Pat, let's talk a little bit about the tool, and then we will hop in a draft and use this tool while we go. Give people, I have it pulled up here on the screen, um, let them know exactly uh, what they're looking at here. Yeah, so yeah, if you want to scroll down, because I think this is important to note. So this, unlike what Spike Week has got going on, 
this is not a long for the ride with you in the draft. Um, But these odds here are powered by Spike Week's playoff odds. And if you're like super hardcore into this stuff, you can put the draft hacker on and have this as like a, as a companion. So you're actually, um, you've got a tool that's kind of along for the ride with you and can see the player pool and see who's being selected. This tool is not for that. This tool is essentially dynamic rankings. So we're going to be putting in the picks that we put in. And then we've got the legendary upside rankings behind here that are going to shuffle. But, right, These rankings are not going to stay consistent. This leg up score is going to is going to start changing once we put picks in. Like you put in um put in uh, uh CD Lamb or Tyree Kill. All right, here's Tyree Kill. A non forty, yeah, Tyree Kill. So you'll actually so be like, able to. Oh, go ahead. You see, like Mostert jumped up here. Mostert was yeah, not. Yeah, so Mostert's a lot more, uh, a lot more interesting on teams that have, um, Dolphins already, right? So you're gonna, uh, you're gonna be betting on the Dolphins. As soon as you take Tyreek Hill, you're betting on the Dolphins. And so the tool, you know, understands that you're kind of wanting to build out that bet going forward. And when I I would say, tell me if uh, just to kind of because people might be a little confused, like the way I am thinking about this and in the leg up score, right, is like all of these players have like a set projection. Like once the playoffs are set, like you'll be able to go to ETR, four for four, all of these sites. And basically what they do is they have their typical kind of like points per game forecasting and then they're layering on expected games, right? So if the Niners are expected to play 3.4 games because they don't get the buy or whatever, it's going to be CMC's weekly projection times 3.4. That is the playoff projection they give you. Now, what happens with the leg up score, it is dynamically adjusting that expected games played in a way, right? Where it's like, okay, yeah. we selected Tyree Kill. All of a sudden, it's not their median 2.2 games expected. Now it's the 3.4, the 3.5. And so then what this really helps you do, right? is then adjust. Like you're not taking Raheem Mostert over Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk's, you know, score is still too valuable and how he can fit with those pieces, but it is going to help you say, yeah, you should take Raheem Mostert over Devonta Smith, even though in a one-for-one in a vacuum, Mostert probably wouldn't project better. Maybe that's not the best example, but that thinking of this is dynamically factoring in the additional correlation and expected games boost. Right. That's that's right. Yeah. Um it's it's boosting that team level element because we've got a player score here on the on the back end and then a team level score and then the tool is also like reflecting the shifting odds as you build out matchups so if you go down uh to the bottom of the tool here you'll see that the matchup odds on the AFC side have shifted so the NFC is odd is showing you odds to make the NFC championship um through the, the the playoff odds that Spike Week has. And then on the AFC side, it's now changed, and you're looking at the odds of these teams facing the Dolphins. Mm. So that's important, right? Like yeah. to the to the Rams 49ers point that I made earlier, if you take 49ers, Rams become less appealing because they're likely to face the 49ers in round two. Not that you would never do it given the bye week considerations and stuff, but you're, you would prefer to get the Ravens here because they have the best odds to actually play the Dolphins in the conference championship as opposed to in round two. Yep. Yeah, that's a super valuable thing. And the best way, again, why this is so helpful is it really 
uh, reorients your frame of mind through the conference championship lens. And you can really think logically of like, all right, I don't want to take, you know, multiple teams that don't have good odds to face the Dolphins, right? Like I'm trying to build the only other AFC team I'm ideally taking is playing Miami in the conference championship. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And these things will become more and more clear, right? Like, I guess that's maybe one of the other big differences. Uh, obviously, you have the bye week stuff that shifts and also just the actual paths to the Super Bowl. Like, after week 18, we will kind of know which teams are on different sides of the bracket and some of this logic tree stuff will be easier to fill out. But right now, we just have to kind of use the odds in the current bracket to make the most informed decisions. And this is why I think building from a portfolio perspective makes so much sense because guess what? You probably drafted a few monsters. If you're drafting early that are going to wind up playing each other in the <laughs> divisional round on accident, yeah, you'd be like, shit, yeah, I had it played out for the conference championship, but that's just like the push and pull of getting to draft early and build super teams. And I mean, it's something to think about with the bills. I've been pairing the bills with the 49ers a lot because the mm -hmm. whole point is that they're not going to get the buy and they're going to get teams through. But also I have no idea who the bills are playing. The Bills are like the, everything's shuffling all over the place in the AFC. So I it's tough for me to project out who the Bills will play in round two. And so pairing them with other AFC teams is actually kind of scary. Um, and the other thing is that even before the playoffs start, even after week 18, the NFL reseeds. So it's not as clean as like this seed is all definitely gonna play this team, right? If there's an upset, if the Browns um or the let's say the the Rams, let's say the Rams win. You know, then they go and play uh, the the 49ers instead of the the five seed. So yeah, um, or would it be the four seed if every if all the favorites win? However, it works out. The right. um, <laughs> the, the reseeding makes it tough to do the the reseeding makes it tough. Yeah. So so you you're never gonna know for sure what the what the odds are, but this is gonna be helping you the entire time, and you know giving you the, the best chance to build to build for a bracket where your your teams are actually playing each other in the conference championship and not round two. All right, Pat, this is very unprofessional. I'm rolling right in from best ball breakfast and our portfolio review, and I've drank too much coffee. I need to run uh, and go to the bathroom real quick. Maybe while I'm gone, just let people know, because we're going to hop in a draft when we come back, maybe tell them a little bit about the ADP cutoff, kind of like the other ways that they should think about using this tool once they uh, subscribe and have it pulled up as a tab while they draft. Yep. Yeah. So some of the other features of this, um, the first thing you do is you put in your pick slot. So that's, that's not like massively important. If you forget to do it, it's not the end of the world. What the pick slot basically does is help this ADP cutoff function properly. Um, and when you put in Tyree kill, it now assumes that we're in the second round, obviously, and it has auto slid this ADP cutoff to six. So any player with an ADP earlier than six will be hidden, but you can slide that back. So if you've got a faller, right, Debo's falling, just slide this ADP cutoff back down closer to zero, and you'll be able to see Debo. Um, and we, you know, I don't have control over this right now, but I guarantee you the tool would have Debo at the at the uh, at the earliest available player here. So. You can adjust that. And one thing that I ended up doing is I slide the ADP cutoff up as well as the draft goes on sometimes to kind of clean up the player pool because it doesn't have access to the player pool. Sometimes it gets flooded with guys who've already been taken. 
and you can always go search uh, for a player too. Yep. Yeah. Um, and again, like, thing I, I'll oh, just know real quick. One other feature is that if you have drafted the tool set up so that if you've drafted four teams, so you've built out for a conference championship game, it's not going to show you any other players. It'll just, because again, the point I mentioned this at the top, the point is really to keep you on the rails, not make some of yep. these basic mistakes. But if you're like, no tool, I need to be able to get these 49ers through. I need Puka. It doesn't matter that I've already drafted two NFC teams. I'm going to override it. Search for Puka. He'll show up. So you can, yeah. and then the tool will understand if you override it, it's, it's very flexible. It's like, all right, cool. We're doing that now. Let's, I'll, I'll help you do that. It's, it's not, uh, it doesn't get married to what it previously wanted you to do. And it, I will say like, what's so, I think, if fascinating about something like this is if, if you say you do 50 of these drafts, you are going to intuitively start to build lineups that the tool encourages you to do. Like you start to understand, okay, I understand my team level correlation bets, but what it is so good at doing, and this is the same way, like I talk a lot about it with the battle Royale drafts where only 36 players are getting drafted. And often players 20 through 36 are some of the worst picks in the contest because they don't project that much differently than picks 37 through 60 and yet still even fully knowing that even fully preaching that you sit there and you're staring at that name and you're like man he's there though i really want to click him it's like imagine if you had a tool that just kind of like removed those guys yeah. like that's what this does because you're going to stare at kyron williams and you're going to be like man getting those 25 <laughs> touches sure would be nice but he makes no fucking sense for your team and the tool knows that and he rips them out there and he keeps you on track and so that's right. it, maybe that's the best selling point is that this tool helps you fight against your psychological biases 100 percent, yeah it's it's just objectively living in the world that you've created for it one thing i would also say for it is like if you want to go um rip some of these without drafting like you want to just like kind of do it as like a choose your own adventure like what if i were to get you know uh tyreek to fall all the way back to me in, in the second round and i but i've taken purdy like does it does it like um sorry taking uh taking debo does it like that that combo what combos yeah would it kind of push me off towards you can kind of do some dry runs on on the tool as well because you know it's it's not connected to any drafts yeah, and why I'm waiting for I just hopped in a gauntlet draft for Pat. Like my favorite way to use the tool, and you know, right now I have just a single screen share, so I have them in the same window. But I just like having two windows up on my computer, one for the draft, one for the tool. You just have them side by side. Um, but I do think I did want to hit a little bit on contest selection. We've been talking about the gauntlet because that's the flagship with the most um with the most money up top, but Pat, almost regardless of kind of like your bankroll or whatever, like there are contests for you. They just dropped the mitten two, which is a $5 entry, 25 K to first. They have the little gauntlet, which is fun because this is a 15 entry max um, at $50. So you're not going to have to be going against 150 entries. Like if you take Cavante Turpin in this one, you might be the only person in the entire yeah, contest true. with Cavante Turpin. And then there's the big mitten too. And one other thing as our draft's about to start, Pat, that I want to mention, and we haven't hit on this yet, but there are a lot of bad drafters. You are going to get sniped. People are going to blow up your thing and you're going to want to tilt. W one thing I will say is the higher up you go in stakes, the more people stay in your lane. Like I did a couple big mittens last year and everyone just stayed in their lane. But you're in the $5, the mitten too? 
It's the fucking wild west out there. <laughs> the little mitten, I mean, the little mitten has. I'm sometimes blowing stuff up because I'm drafting like three of them at a time, and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> so, oh yeah, the little mitten gets nuts, uh, and the, those are fun though because they're like more time capsule contests because they're so small they fill in that week. And so, if you want to go, if you're like, I don't want to have to deal with someone having a super team from last, you know, from two weeks ago. Well, the mitten two. The little mitten that I assume will drop again. Um, those contests aren't going to be as open as long. So you can kind of play with it from that perspective too. All right, Pat, we're off to the races in the gauntlet. We have the number two spot. Uh, CMC is almost a virtual lock for 101 in all of these, unless someone really goes rogue. I put pick two into our leg up tool here. CMC does go. We're on the clock. It looks like leg up is in agreement here as far as Debo Samuel being the optimal pick, or are we Brandon Ayuk bros around here? I mean, if you want to go Ayuk, I, I won't fight <laughs> it. I would say Debo's probably, Debo Ayuk is a lot more likely to be able to pair. So, you know, if that, you take Debo first. That's a really good point uh, there as well. So even in the leg up tool, uh, you guys have uh, Brandon Ayuk as the third highest uh, score. He does have a lower ADP and sometimes he will fall. So yeah, I selected Debo Samuel and now Pat, I'm going to head here. All I do is collect Debo Samuel and the tool will refresh and we'll get kind of a new batch of updated ranks after this pick. Yep. And like, where did Tyreek go? Well, Tyreek's hidden. The ADP cutoff assumes Tyreek won't get back, but this is where I was saying like, if Tyreek were to fall, yeah, you pull back the slider. Um, he actually is behind, you know, Brandon Ayuk and, um, and CD Lamb, but he's still fairly high up, fairly high up. Although he is behind Brock Purdy, which is interesting, right? All that we've already right. made this big bet on the 49ers. We want to see it through. And I think that's another good point to emphasize again. Like the draft, this tool knows in general which plays are going to be available there. But this is where some of I think uh, uh sacrilegious calls them your soft skills, right? Of like, yeah, hey, Tyreek Hill fell. Uh, and I don't see him on my screen. I guess I can't take him. It's it's no, know that he is normally not here in these rooms based on his ADP. And that would be a very good selection. Then you go type him in and the tool now adjusts to, all right, now the Dolphins Niners is what you want to build out. Right. And I also think there's some element to it where like, you know, if you don't have, let's say like it likes Purdy over Tyreek, but the guy, you know, this isn't, the guy at one is going to take Purdy if we leave him Purdy. But there's certain uh, situations where you're like, I think I can I can play the room. I know they have this quarterback. You know, they, they've kind of got yeah. the quarterback taken care of. I can push stuff around the wrap. It's still important to use all of your drafting skills with this tool. The tool's like, you know, I compared it to like a GPS, but it's, you, you know, it will recalculate for you. Once you're like, no tool, like there's an accident down that way. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go this other way. Um, you have more information than this tool does. So we've seen all the Niners get wiped out. Um, Kelsey has fallen here. Um, Diggs is here. Mahomes, Allen. It looks like the tool would like us to go Kelsey. What do you think? I think we go Kelsey or Diggs and play for one of these, um, whichever quarterback you want to get. If you want to do Bills I or... I am too light on my bills so far. And even though they've gotten very gotten expensive, and I know a lot of sharper people have them at much cheaper, let's go uh, down that path here. See, and then he goes with the Kelsey Mahomes, and then we, we're going to do um, – we're doing Diggs Allen. 
Diggs Allen. So, so notice how um, in the in the rankings, yeah, you had to scroll down to get Diggs, right? Yes. Diggs was Diggs was us IK being the tool, but Allen is uh, jumped up significantly once we took Diggs. Yeah, and once you start doing more of these, Pat, like. Would you ever, and again, these rooms can be wild, but would you ever look at this and be like, all right, behind us, there's a Brock Lamar Hurts team, and at the six hole is a Tyreek Ayuk team who probably is going to want to, uh, could I push Josh out? Like, say Kittle was available to us, and we were able to build out, say we we went digs, and then like Kittle comes back around or something. Would you consider taking Kittle, getting greedy, and then seeing if you could push Josh Allen back around? Yes. And how many are you doing? Right. Cause if right. you're doing a bunch, like, let's see, like, how are, are you feeling kind of like a little saucy? Cause yes. cause that's how you have a, a super team, right? You get, you get Debo Kittle Diggs, and Allen, and then you're, you're able to still build out the bills bet from there. I mean, God, you flip that thing over in the super bowl. And, and that's a team that's going to help you get to the super bowl too. Uh, given that the bills are pretty good round one, team and then you can have two 49ers in round two coming on like yeah i mean it's it's risky but like we're trying to finish first out of 400 after getting through three different elimination rounds like it's gonna be yeah. hard so i think the next kind of big question to me with the tool we're on the clock so the tool is going to tell us to take james cook and not that i'm opposed to that but it's always wondering can you push james cook is there another piece we would want here that we don't think this mahomes mccaffrey team is going to take so the he'll take Rice and Pacheco probably. Yes. So I actually think we're probably like we don't even need to play him necessarily. I because mean, because there's if, nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Like if Devontae Smith was here, that would be pretty interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I don't see like what would that what are we even playing for? Right. And so we take Cook, and now we've kind of built, you know, we started talking about our dream scenario, right, where we have four from the one team that goes to the Super Bowl that's not the bye week team, and we now have the running back with our quarterback, which we've already talked about as something we want to do. So we got a Josh Allen, James Cook, Stefan Diggs team with Debo Samuel on the other side. And, you know, we're going to have plenty of bills to tack on. Um, the real question is kind of what other NFC team do we do with the Niners. And if I go back to the tool, it is suggesting pushing up Gabe Davis. Um, it's starting to introduce some of the lions. If they're here, secondary Eagles players, secondary Cowboys players, what do you think is, is optimal here? Is Swift gone? He is. We're basically locked out of the Eagles. I think it's probably the lions is our, is our second, um, NFC team, or we could do Ravens or dolphins as a secondary AFC team. Yeah, real quick, I, what do you think is the funnest here? Um, I, I think Dolphins is kind of fun. Okay, I'm going to put Waddle in real quick. Because what happened there, Pat, that was kind of a bummer, is if he goes Pacheco-Rice, which I kind of think he should, um, then we might go Gibbs there, right? To build yeah. out Lions with yeah. Gibbs makes a ton of sense. And we're maybe even done at running back with Cook and Gibbs in that scenario. Yeah, and I think we're um, we're probably double uh, we're probably double bills on the way back. Yeah, if we can get you you pushing for Jalen Waddle there was just your way of justifying a last round Durham Smythe pick. I, I see you from afar. 
<laughs> oh no! <laughs> it's you don't want to. You don't want to. You want to be able to float Smythe in the waning seconds of the tenth round. Yeah. <laughs> Your co-man well, already figured I it mean, out. Pat, the big sweat is: would someone let us get Achan back here? That's the big sweat. That um, is the big sweat. This the Tua drafter, Pat. The Tua Tyreek drafter just passed on Achan to take Jerome Ford and Rashad White. That's what I'm talking about, man. It's like you got to get. This so this so this team, I mean, he's gonna be he's gonna have trouble fielding a full lineup in the Super Bowl because he's got don't do it, duper. Let us have a chan because this really <laughs> makes the waddle pick look really nice in retrospect if you can get a chan back here. I mean, you got Moster, you don't need a chan. Nope. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're him. Yeah, yeah. Come on, duper. Um, can we see the the six holes team real quick? Yeah. Oh, he goes. I'm just gonna put him in the yeah, put a chan in. So he has Gibbs, Pacheco, CMC. Okay. And then I don't think he's going to be getting in our way with these. We talked about the double tap on the bills, but I mean, I think we might even still be able to push Kincaid back around pretty easily. Yeah, right. So we go, We that's, that's how we should play it. So, yeah, so we're going to grab. So then how do you think about our nfc because we're obviously heavy on the afc we're playing for a bills dolphins conference championship and yet we only have one player from the nfc here and we're going to have three more picks left after we take gabe davis so how are you kind of thinking about that yeah i think we we want to get um i mean honestly like building out the bills is the most important thing like if we can get gabe and kincaid that's pretty sweet and then i mean I'm oh I've taken a ton of Juwan Jennings. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so I think I'm probably I'm I think getting some of these like random 49ers on here is probably my my primary lean. Um so could this construction right now we we did select Gabe Davis. So we have um we have four bills, all of the bills you would want, Josh Allen, James Cook, Diggs, Gabe Davis. We have two dolphins, Devon A. Chan and Jalen Waddle, and then the one-off Debo. So could this construction potentially be like uh what would you do like a five three two where we yeah. grab two more late niners and one more bill yeah yeah i mean honestly leonard fournette's also in play you want to talk about yeah. i mean especially in the gauntlet where he wouldn't have been drafted on any of this bill stuff a few weeks ago um so yeah i mean we could do we could do maybe one more late 49er. Um, and, and to show people what Pat was talking about of why Pat has a lot, Jawan Jennings, this is the beauty of playoff best ball. In the reality of this team, Jawan Jennings should be selected over Mike Evans in the reality of this team. And for people, that's going to be a hard sell, but it, it truly is the optimal thing here. Um, so Pat, do you want to grab the Kincaid? Kincaid. And then are we just done with Bills? Probably or do we go to, or do you, would you go six bills? I mean, I'm that like bills are making the Super Bowl, so and they In don't, and they're not yeah. getting a buy. So like, I'm down to kind of keep drafting bills. I'm not, um, I'm not worried about. Like, I think we have a lot of firepower uh, in round one because we're playing for the Dolphins not to have a buy. We got a lot of firepower about, in round two with Debo coming on. Let's let's talk a little bit about positional. If we're going Jawan Jennings or or my guy Jordan Mason here, which one positionally makes more sense? If we're doing another, I think 
probably Jennings. Okay. Um, but, only- you know, we could get that third, that third running back is also fine. I think I'm just wondering like if the bills, yeah, I think, I don't know. I've, I'm, I have so much Juwan. I just flipped it to Jordan, okay. Jordan there. Um, but now we can have the, uh, the conversation. Uh, so you're going to have to search for I'm gonna search. Jordan, but I would just, I would just note Eli is on the list, right? And so yes, your, your IK being which running back you take, but the, the tool does think 49ers running back makes sense here. Right. And if you do, and this is where it goes back into that thing. Like the tool is showing you the tool is using the same kind of, you know, projection inputs. And, but you're saying like, I know that the range of outcomes for these two isn't that big. And Jordan Mason is going to get selected less frequently. So in for me personally, like Mason is a much better click than Eli Mitchell. Um, and I actually packed some Eli Mitchell bags early. Um, and it's the same thing too. Like if you're selecting a lot of Jawan Jennings, um, I don't know if there's a good pivot. Are we drafting Willie Sneed now <laughs> instead of Jawan Jennings? Like Ronnie Bell. Ronnie yeah. Bell. Yeah. I mean, Bell Bell had a touchdown, right? I guess it was yes. late in the game. But <laughs> so, so if we look at the tool, Pat, this is putting it like neck and neck, right? Because it has a it has Jawan Jennings, Khalil Shakur, Dawson Knox, and like you said, like Leonard Fournette could be a proxy, although we're probably not doing a fourth running back now. Um no, yeah. And I think that's just if we could if we get Jennings here, that's pretty sweet. But um generally I think I would break I, I was leaning towards Jennings because you have the Leonard Fournette out and you've got the Eli Mitchell out, and you've got the Jordan Mason out, and then mm-hmm. it's um, you don't want to probably draft four running backs here. So, but I think Jennings is having him gotten back to us is pretty nice. How do you think about like, I mean, anyone using this tool, anyone drafting like smartly who's on Niners is going to have a shit ton of Jawan Jennings. I'm just wondering, does the, when does the galaxy raid stuff start to kick in on one of these other guys? Uh, I mean, I, I think it's very, it's very defensible. To take a yeah. different guy. I personally am taking Jennings just because I'm like, he's going to run the most routes in the Super yeah. Bowl. Um, and I would say one thing, you know, if if Jennings was the only other Niner lever I was pulling, I might really push myself to the scroll down mentality. But one thing I could maybe sell myself on, Pat, is that Mason and Jennings together is going to be a very yeah. unique combo. Yeah, and you're showing up with a Bill's super stack so that's the other thing that's nice you know i think it maybe even especially with purdy stuff you'd you'd maybe want to do the scroll down a little bit more but you've built yeah. bills bills are the team that you're you're like you need to have the bills um plus debo so you've got a a key piece from the 49ers if you you know if, if josh allen's the guy you need in the super bowl it's going to be a little bit harder, I think, to um, – you, you've got two things right. You've got not only Josh Allen, but it, that it was the 49ers that they played is what I'm trying to say. It, and um, just to kind of use this lineup, you know, to kind of flesh out some of the concepts we were talking about earlier, someone might be saying, hey, you guys were talking about getting a conference championship matchup. You got Bills versus Dolphins. But wait, who are the Niners playing in the conference championship? You, you don't have any other – NFC pieces like why does this still make sense uh not to have that fourth NFC team yeah so the thing that's that's important here is you still do to some extent want to be drafting players who are gonna gonna score points so we, we pivoted to the Dolphins um as you know 
really strong bets to actually put up points in Jalen Waddle and Devin Achan. And yes, we don't have a fourth NFC team, but what we did instead was we built out our Super Bowl bet more with the Bills. And you kind of want to be thinking through like, do, is building out this Super Bowl bet hurting my chances of, of getting through round three? In the Bills case, like, not really. You know, Gabe Davis, Dalton Kincaid, like, are they any worse than the Cowboys or the Eagles available in those rounds? Like, they're probably better. No. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's how I kind of had to think about it. Like, if you if you had, you know, the the Dolphins and you're, like, tacking on, like, low, low probability Dolphins in, like, the seventh round instead of grabbing an NFC player that, that has a better chance of helping you make the Super Bowl in the first place by scoring in the conference championship round, you know, I think that's maybe a little thin. Um, you wouldn't want to build out your Super Bowl bet there as as often. But the Bills are the Bills are a fun team to draft because they're going to help you get there and they can score a lot of points in the Super Bowl. I just want be I think we should do one more draft, but I just want to highlight something about the Dolphins and it speaks to how much recency bias can play into things and how you could really take advantage of market, you know, tendencies or overreactions. Like the Dolphins won. Like they they are still like things improved for the Dolphins outlook, but because Achan and Jalen Waddle had muted games, like they both slid well past ADP. You know, each slid six, seven picks past ADP. And people are literally, and this goes back to people are thinking about them through the lens of how many fantasy points are they going to score in one game? Well, let me look at their last game. It's like, it doesn't matter. Like we macro believe in these guys' talents and we have now made a team bet, but people are discounting them in a playoff contest for how they did last week. Like that's truly what's happening. Yeah, for sure. And I guess Waddle's dealing with like uh, an ankle injury now. That's so true. Maybe that's, always but you know, ankle. that's, is that going to matter three or four weeks from now? So yeah. yeah. And so the the thing that's fun is like, say we, you know, week 17, say the Ravens and Dolphins get in a shootout. Uh, Dolphins win, A-Chan blows up. Like this price is gone. You're not getting him at pick 35 anymore head before the, you know, maybe something happens in week 18. But my point is, is like the price on Devin A-Chan could be wildly different next week than it is this week. And so that's why it's fun to play out this scenario. Now, all of a sudden, you know, people might be trying to build the same team as you at much more expensive prices next week. A hundred percent. And I do think that's, again, like one of the things that's fun about this contest is that you can use this week to make some bets and feel like overexposed to those bets this week. But next week, those, those same bets will not be available. So, and maybe that's because they you're going to be like, I wish I didn't make those bets. Um, but maybe it's because you're psyched that you made those bets and now the prices have moved up. You know, both both things will happen if you draft enough teams. It's just one of the kind of the interesting parts of this contest is that the the landscape shifts dramatically week to week. Yep. Um, you want to do one more here? Yeah, let's do one more. All right. I just uh in the for Pat with the tool here, all I did once we were done, you know, we, I just refreshed it and now I'm back to kind of a blank screen, right? Nothing else you really need to do there. Yep, you just hit the reset button and you're you're good to go. Yep.
Um, so yeah, so we'll see if we can maybe kind of push ourselves down a different, uh, playoff scenario path. Uh, also want to mention, I was screen sharing, uh, the article I wrote up on fantasy life. This is a free article. I also have a video, uh, that I did for fantasy life. Um, if this show with Pat kind of move maybe a little quickly from like 101 to 201, <laughs> 301 concepts, I did a much more 101 style overview. I'm going to drop that in the show notes as well. Uh, Pat, we got the 103 this time, so maybe we could head down uh, a CD Lamb uh, or Tyreek Hill type path, whatever we want to do. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, Tyreek might be fun. What What do you say to people, Pat, if they do open up? Because we just talked through the Brandon Ayuk thing. You know, you guys have him third. Like, it makes a ton of sense to me. Niners crush. Uh, I'm still an Ayuk guy. But if you always take Brandon Ayuk third overall – you might be missing out on additional opportunities of getting Brandon Ayuk paired with another first round player. Yeah. And you know, that's a reasonable thing to do. Like don't just do what this tool is saying to do. Like you're everything that is listed in kind of the, the top, like six, 10, even, you know, if it's on the, the screen here, it's not crazy. And like I plan to draft more Tyree Kill this week because I didn't draft a lot of them last week. So I'm probably going to be breaking ties to Tyree Kill out of the three hole for most of this week. Yeah. You know, that's the, the rankings like Ayuka a little bit better because of the team score. But the other thing I say, the leg up score between the two is pretty close. It's not close between Debo and Ayuk, right? There's a big, if you, if you look at the leg up score on the tool, there's a pretty big gap. So should we do the prudent thing and take Debo again? Yeah, let's take Debo again. Okay. I was CD Lamb is definitely a rogue pick uh, at two over Debo. It, these are fun, man. People, the weirdness hurts you, but the weirdness can also help you. And I, I think the other thing Pat was mentioning, you know, it's it's the same thing again that we talk about with like Best Ball Mania. Like to me, I thought like I wanted access to all of the players in the first round. Like I wasn't going to have 90% AJ Brown and never take Stefan Diggs and Austin Eckler and whoever, right? Like the same thing. I want combos of all of these, you know, let's say top eight, top nine players like that I can realistically get based on ADP because we know these guys have good chances to go far and we know these guys can put up massive ceiling performances. So what's fun is kind of mixing and matching and then building out logical teams based around that combo. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and you know, you will get sliders, you will get weird combos, you will get people who blow up your teams, but I think you end up with some fun combos when people blow up your teams. Like I have, yeah. you know, I've got some, uh, some lines to the Super Bowl teams that I did not want to build, but the room demanded that I build them. Um, I was actually hoping we could get Purdy just to build out a bi-week yeah. Purdy team. That's that's ideal. And what do you think about, so I'm going to grab Purdy here. What do you think about what the drafter from the five-hole did where they went, I, you can Kittle. So obviously made a conscious decision to pass over Purdy, and they're also probably smart enough to know, hey, Purdy, there's no way he's coming back to us at 17. So the thing that's scary to me about doing that is that Lamar went off. Because Lamar is one of the guys. Now he's also got the buy, so you got to get a little wonky after that. But it's a pretty fun. Like I can envision a scenario in the Super Bowl where Ayuk, Kittle, and Lamar are kind of what you need, um, just because he can do so much with his legs, and uh, you can build out Ravens later with him. Uh, 
Mahomes is your your other out for like a really nice Super Bowl, and then Josh Allen is the other big one. But if he's able to do a Bills like kind of a better version of what we just did with this, you know, if you can get like Diggs Allen on this next wrap, you're gonna feel pretty good about that. Yeah. So we are about to pick. Uh, speaking of Diggs Allen, so Kittle, Kelsey, Lamar. So Diggs is top of the tool. Um, otherwise, we are venturing into. Uh, Eagles, like, what do you think? Would you go Diggs here? Well, did Rice go? I mean, we could go. Yeah, Rice I think Diggs, Diggs or Rice. Um, Chiefs. Yeah, let's go Diggs again. I know we just did this. Well, but, it's uh, still going to be different because we're going to build out a bye week team and it's not going to have Josh Allen on it. Right. So this is now something to think about, right, Pat? We we know we're going to need a bye week team. Ideally, it would be an AFC team opposite San Francisco, but we already took Stefan Diggs and we know Josh Allen's not around. So we probably want to save our second AFC team for an AFC quarterback, right? Or we can just do NFC and go with like Lions. Jeez. I actually think, yeah, I think I think the Lions might be kind of our our bye week team. So that that brings up a good point because I would say Jared Goff falls somewhere in the middle of spending a premium for your second quarterback versus fully punting it off. Yeah, and I'm good with. I think that's that's fine, right? You, I think you've got enough because the Lions, are, you know, have a strong enough chance of winning in round one. Um, they have a 24 percent chance to play the 49ers in the conference championship, according to Spike Week. That's the second highest behind the Eagles. And obviously, you can actually get their top players where the Eagles are already gone. So that's probably my my lean as a, a bye week team. Because otherwise, I think we're down. I think the other out is is Joe Flacco. Right. Yeah. And I'm I'm not a. I, I know it's a ready bit on the on the leg up podcast with Daniel. Uh, I I don't have like <laughs> Joe Flacco doesn't make me feel gross for some reason in this contest. <laughs> I guess I'm like Daniel in that. Um. Rashi Rice still here. Um, yeah. if you did want to do that, there's, there's probably some James Cook though, right? Rice or Cook, because we need the running back. We need the running back, and we want that that Browns. I, I don't think we want to burn our AFC team with the with the bye week thing. Right. Like Cook. if it's a, t we should break ties to the bill. I think. For, sorry for what bye week thing? Because because if we go Flacco at the end, that'll be a third mm. AFC team, which is which is viable to get Purdy through, but it's not um, it's not ideal. Yeah, and then and seven's is doing cartwheels because he got CMC and then the full Chief stack there. Woo! Wow, that's pretty hard to do, right? Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, good for him. This, this is, is a I weird mean the room. Yeah. You know, go ahead, sir. No, I was just gonna say because we have some badges and then Duper who had done like the rogue Lamar with Hill, but then he's been building it out from there well, you know, did Zay and Gus. Yep. So we're back on the clock here. I think we definitely can keep pushing the QB thing. If I look at the tool, it does. I mean, the Waddle Tua stuff is there, but what is this Ven gonna do? He's going to take Tua. Who, who should we take? take? Uh, we could grab Laporta and try to set up the Lions thing, although we missed Amon Ra. Um, we, I, 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 I'm yeah, I okay. panicked. We didn't have enough time. Okay. 
the tool actually didn't like Laporta, so we IKB'd the tool. Um, I wonder if the tool also I should click the uh, or the tool already knows because we clicked Purdy that we need a second quarterback, right? It's only if yes, you, yes. Otherwise, you could select the second QB to display. Yeah, it, it's showing us second quarterbacks already. Um, but if you want to play for like the Dolphins to get the buy, you can click this second quarterback button at the top, which won't show up until you uh, take a second, take a first quarterback. Yeah. Um, but you can override it and play for, you know, the Dolphins or the Eagles or whatever to get the buy. There's some really interesting dynamics going out in this draft. So Helt grabbed Jalen Waddle as his first uh, Dolphin, but then Vern, instead of grabbing um, Tua there, grabbed Cooks and then gave himself two outs to either Tua or Dak. I assume he takes Dak here now uh, and doesn't risk getting shut out of quarterback altogether. Um, it makes me wonder if we could He didn't take Tua. We could have done it. I think we could have done know. it. Damn. So. Damn. And now we don't we don't have a Lions running back either, which kind of sucks. I feel like we that does do suck. We, do we just take Gabe here? Um, yeah, yeah, I think we take Gabe. Yeah, we kind of we kind of screwed that up. That's not we should have we should have been uh, a little spicy and taking the Dolphin. Yeah, it was just a weird spot. And then like Duper went like Duper's been kind of going rogue. He takes his first. NFC, David Montgomery, not necessarily bad, but then goes Calvin Ridley as his third AFC team. And this is kind of some of those structural mistakes we've been uh, discussing here. So um, do we need to lock up Goff now, just knowing that this guy could do some weird stuff back yeah, here? Yeah, he needs, he needs the bye week quarterback too. Yeah. Um, yeah, might as well. Damn, two is still sitting here. And, you know, um, we took Laporta over Waddle. The tool at that time had Mostert, Rice, Pacheco, and Waddle as the top four players. So it, the tool, the, the thing, tool, the tool knew. There, there's two dynamics at play, right? There is one, you know, us being in a funky room and trying to kind of like account for that with our decision. I mean, like, there's no way this comes back to us, which I do think is like a skill or or a data point you need to layer on. We now, though, Pat, have a sample size of two drafts. You started the show saying, like, I might be a Dolphins heavy week. We have now seen a trend of Dolphins dropping, right? Like, mm -hmm. people, the market is down on them. So you watching the show, you get to now learn from our mistakes this week um, and, and pile in on the Dolphins because you're going to get some good deals on them if these rooms are any indication. Yeah, I think the Dolphins are... I feel better about the Dolphins, and it feels like the market feels worse about the Dolphins. So I want yes. I want to attack that. And I generally think like I plan personally to play this game a little bit exploitatively where I'm like not going to have a perfectly balanced portfolio. I'm going to see what the market's offering and hammer that. Um, and I think the game's soft enough to where like I can get away with playing playing like that. Um, and, you know, in a lot of years, a lot of versions of this year, I will lose money on this on this uh, enterprise. But um Hopefully what I'll should win. we do here? We got 14 seconds. Um, the tool, I think, probably wants us to take maybe like another lion. Do we do Jameson? Yeah, Jameson's good. Um, and then the, the main consideration here with two picks left, um, we're certainly going to have more than one running back, just James Cook. So we're definitely looking at another 
you could I think of 49. Could, I think the Mason or something like that. I was just going to say, would you ever consider double tapping 49ers running backs in this build? Yes. That's yeah, what I was we, wondering. We only have two 49ers. So I, I always right. like getting building out on that Super Bowl bet. We need Purdy's in the Super Bowl. We know that. And we only have them paired with Debo. This this draft has featured a lot of IKB over the tool. Yeah, the tool's work. been trying to. <laughs> one thing is we we did the NFC quarterback, and we have three pieces that won't be in the Super Bowl now, which is yeah, we can survive. But it's not ideal. Bills forty yeah. nineers. Yeah, and th this is the thing, like. You know, the tool is obviously factoring in more things than we are, but like this is still kind of the point. Like, even if it does, you don't draft the cleanest team you like by focusing in on the team level correlations, you are still building optimally, right? Like, we have our three teams here. Like, we know what we need the conference championships to look like for this to pan out. Right. And the tool would have put us on a Dolphins as the second team, um, which is a little cleaner, but that's. It's a still the same. Uh, we're just big Lions fans, okay? Yeah. So we we IKB the tool, Dan and, Campbell. And I would say too, like the this is also why if you know I'm in the gauntlet right now, but if you want to go do like get your reps in, well, one you can use the tool to build out scenarios, see who realistically is going to be there. But as we know, some of these rooms are chaotic. You can hop in the in the mitten for five bucks. And I mean, just for even three, four drafts of, you know, practice. And I know that's still $20, but just getting the lay of the land, like, wouldn't you say Pat more than any other format, the reps in these are so, so helpful. It's very, very helpful because there's, you don't have that much time, like just the split second decision-making the, um, the kind of seeing the matrix a little bit with this, like one of the things for me was like, a couple of weeks ago when we were first experimenting with this and we were like, Oh, you know, the rankings actually really like Debo Ayuk, And then it, it'll push you to like dolphins or it'll push you to Ravens. And you're like, Oh, right. Like I can actually build like those guys can just be bringbacks. I don't need to, you know, now getting Purdy as, as a guy, there is a lot of fun too, but you're kind of seeing like, it's sort of pointing you to somewhat obvious things. Like actually, 249ers can be a bringbacks on a Ravens build or on a Dolphins build or on a Chiefs build. But having those Chiefs jump up to the top of the to the queue when you're like kind of so zoned in on 49ers, 49ers is actually it's just like helpful to um to helping you like see other paths and other options. So for me, I'm very much a learn by doing person, getting the reps in and then seeing like in something like this, like, oh. We could actually have gone Waddle Tua there, and and I'm going to keep that in mind for next time. Is just kind of that's just sort of how I learn. And not to like you know pick on any of these drafters, um, but like let me I just kind of oh shit, am I going to lose my board after that? Uh, I think I lose my board, but I could still look at this uh, this team here. So this is a badge drafter, and again, I'm I'm not picking on this individual. I just think it's good to kind of illustrate. So this is a badge drafter, lots of experience on underdog, like this team to me is way too all over the place. You have a Josh Allen, Joe Flacco, so two AFC quarterbacks who are both playing in round one. Um, you have Detroit in Gibbs, Devon Achan, Miami, Travis Etienne, Jacksonville. You have CeeDee Lamb, Dallas, um, Amari Cooper, well, stacked with Flacco. But I don't like, think this team this can team? have a, a live team. I mean, I don't think Does it have a Super so, Bowl? 
No, it doesn't. I don't think it gets close. I mean, you don't have he's got what Amari Cooper's is only he I mean has, he doesn't have he another a, bill, right? He needs a Detroit Cleveland final to just have a four starting lineup. Yeah. So and so this is so the kind bad. of stuff like this this person, my guess was drafting largely off of projection. And Pat, like, wouldn't you concede this team has a really good chance to advance out of round, round one? one. Yeah, yeah, really good. Yeah, exactly. I expected yeah. to. I expected yeah. to advance. It, it, and yet it is, it's like literally drawing dead um to to win the contest. It's drawing extremely unlikely to make it to the final round, and it's drawing pretty unlikely to even make it to uh the conference championship round. Yeah, and I like I think it is quite like when we say literally drawing dead to win, it is literally drawing dead to win yeah. because no matter even what if happens. no matter what happens, it has like a zero percent chance to win because even if he shows up with Josh Allen, Amon Ross St. Brown, and Jameer Gibbs, yep, he's gonna be blocked. Someone's got that combo. Someone else has that combo plus Diggs, plus Kincaid, plus Gabe. He's blocked. Yep. He's this it's a zero so You'll see teams like this in almost every draft you do. Um, and it's just one of those reasons I think you can actually kind of press your advantage a little bit more and not have to build so kind of more like balanced portfolio um, because there's there's other people are paying the rake for you, basically. And again, like I, it's not even um... – it, it's hard, right? It's like we just took Eli Mitchell and Jordan Mason, two guys who have like combined to score like six points over the past like six weeks, you know? And like it's a lot funner to click Chris Godwin. Trust me. Like I get it. But like that's not the contest we're we're playing here. And so this I think this is a really good illustration. If if people who are very experienced on the platform are drafting teams like this, there is a massive, massive edge just to you staying on the rails, just for you staying in your lane. And the tool does a really, really good job of helping you do that. And then once you kind of get the lay of the land, then you can start to IKB stuff. Then you can start to say like the room's doing this. I want to do this. But as long as you continue to correlate on your team level bets, you're going to be in such a better shape than the rest of the field. Yeah, 100%. I mean, just literally drafting a team that has, I mean, it'd be it's like crazy. Like, imagine certain teams had buys in week seventeen of the BBM final. You like wouldn't you wouldn't draft those teams? But it's a, essentially equivalent of like the team we just looked at drafted all but like three of their players with bye weeks in the in the championship game. Like that's that's just not going to do it. And yep. you know, there's teams. It's not not to pick on that drafter because I think there's lots and lots of people who are drafting that way because it's just really hard to take Jordan Mason over Chris Godwin. You never want to <laughs> yeah. do that, but it's often the best, the best way to go. It, my problem is I find it way too easy to click Jordan. Mason. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. my personal issue. <laughs> uh, so like, like we said at the top, Pat has this awesome tool. It, it is like a great, it's not just me doing the like, Oh, the fun marketing thing. I'll say it's too cheap. And it, like, you literally priced it too cheap. Um, so go make Pat pay, uh, get $10, pay $10. And you have access to this tool for the entire drafting window. Who, who comes up with your, with your pricing over there, Pat? I just didn't increase the price. I, I, I rolled this out and, uh, it's part of the subscription. So if you already are a legendary upside subscriber, you're not paying $10 extra. You just have this now. Um, there you go. And yeah, next year I'm going to, uh, gonna, 
up the I'll probably just up the monthly price. Um, but I'll figure out a way to because I think I genuinely think this thing's crazy it's, good. It's all I mean, the whole thing, like I even remember my conversations with Brian you know, over the years, like the whole thing with all of fantasy sports and DFS, it's like, we are, we, we know like ownership and exposures that's bad. And we know correlation is good. And these guys have these projections and the more the field is doing it, that makes them worth less. And the more that they're correlated with our other pieces, that makes them worth more. And we're all trying to quantify that in a way and make good decisions. And this tool dynamically adjusts and accounts for those things, not the, the ownership part, but boosting the correlation there and uh, and make sure you stay on the rails. So definitely check it out at Legendary Upside. Like Pat mentioned, they also have a free podcast available. If you get the Legendary Upside feed or go to the YouTube, I'll drop the link to that below. But otherwise, subscribe for 10 bucks. You get access to the articles, Sacrilegious is great work, um, more premium podcasts and the tool. And then if you do just want to really dip your toes in before you go uh, zero to six, check out my article on fantasy life in the video it'll get way more like nuts and bolts this is how you do it and again you might have never played this before and i promise you if you just consume the free content on fantasy life and leg up you will already be drafting better than players on underdog who are experienced players like just by 100%. understanding the rules there is an edge there's a huge edge in understanding the rules of the contest you're playing that's it's a delightful Crazy. game crazy um well i'm gonna post this today we're recording this on a tuesday pat and i ended up going way longer than i envisioned which is actually <laughs> a theme for pat's podcast um but a little more rare for me but i was having too much fun <laughs> talking playoff best ball you it's can a always episode at this point we're going exactly. two hours yeah speaking of which we are going to have our final ship cast uh maybe we'll spin a playoff one up but our final regular season ship cast the infamous browns jets game you can watch us uh we got to book a guest for that and ben gretch that'll be thursday night anything else pat you want uh people to check out here before we head out no yeah legendaryupside.com uh sign up 10 bucks a month 99 dollars for the year they're gonna have um if you're if you're in dynasty, if you're into the the offseason best ball content, I mean it's we're gonna have I'm gonna be working on the rookie stuff as soon as the uh the regular season for fantasy ends here. So it's uh it's a year-round site. We got you covered no matter uh no matter what time of year it is. Yeah, appreciate you guys. Uh good luck and definitely hop in the Deposit Kingdom Discord, the leg up discord. If you guys want to talk more playoff basketball, there's lots of people sharing teams, talking strategy, and um a lot of people who would be willing to help you out too, kind of critique your teams um and make you or help you uh make better teams. So appreciate Pat joining me today. Maybe we'll find shout out by the way. Sorry, real yeah. quick, shout out Phil Manor, who actually built this tool. Uh he's That's awesome. Yeah, it's 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 Crazy good. Chris G, Kyle Dvorak, Daniel Raz, Sacrilegious, and, and Phil Manor uh, are are working with me on this thing. And uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a real team effort. Plus, Phil's uh, a, a wizard. So yeah, Shout it's a those very guys. very clean uh, user experience. I've very much enjoyed drafting with it. And yeah, maybe we'll get together um, after Week 18. Um, we're going to be doing a bunch of playoff best ball content for. FFPC over on ship chasing. That's another contest that Pat and I love to play each year. So lots of playoff content uh, yet to come, but get in there, take advantage of these dolphins prices this week uh, for Pat. I'm Pete. This has been uh, an awesome reunion of best ball breakfast. Good luck out there.